0: I'm glad that the landscape has changed and people want to hear more voices. It's exciting.
1: Hi, and welcome to Good is in the Details. I'm your host, Gwendolyn Dolsky, And today you'll be hearing an interview with Mari Naomi. She is a cartoonist. She is an author. She is a podcaster. And she is also the creator of the database Cartoonists of Color. We're going to be discussing her graphic memoir *Kiss and Tell*. It's a lot of fun. Lots of discussions about love, about sexuality, about attraction, and then we'll talk a bit about the creation of her database. And we'll also talk about her podcast *Ask By Girls*. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, feel free to tweet me at g.dolsky or at in the details pond. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating or a review. Thank you. Here's the interview. Let's dive into Kiss and Tell, your first graphic memoir. Great. Okay, I love this.
0: First of all, have you been drawing since you were young? Is this... Well, I wanted to be a novelist, so I've been doing that for a long time. I didn't get into drawing comics until I was in my 20s, in the okay. 90s. But I'd always doodled before, but yeah, I'm not much of an artist
1: (laughs) well how did this idea come to you because it's a really it's really clever it's really charming it's also really insightful for me it brought some memories of oh what were some of my first crushes or awkward experiences or loves i hope you'll share some of those with me today (laughs) (laughs) well there was one that oh yes (laughs) no I mean I'm just thinking about that moment when you like somebody and it just feels weird but you're not sure what's going on because you're talking about or I mean drawing these there are these depictions of what it's like Mm pre-puberty when there's a crush so you don't have any understanding of sexuality but it's there yeah and so you're with somebody and trying to figure it out I think one of the first tales was somebody taking a picture.
0: Was oh that... yes, the babysitter.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> oh, did anyone
1: who you wrote about come back into your life and say, "Hey"? Or I'm in constant
0: fear that oh. certain people will come back. Most of the people I reached out to, okay. specifically, I'm afraid of the guy with the dingleberries. My first blow <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to recap. Uh, it was. I was 14, and he. Uh, I went down on him, and uh, clearly he had never in his life washed underneath his penis. And, uh, in in the illustration, I drew flies buzzing around the area. It it wasn't literally like that, but it just smelled like the worst toe jam ever. And you know, I changed his name and, and certain things, but I think he'll know it's him. And even worse, <laughs> or, our mutual friends would know. <laughs> but whatever. I'm not lying. It (laughs) happens. Well, I mean, something that struck me was that you should have washed his dick.
1: (laughs) Your second graphic memoir was Turning Japanese. Uh, Well,
0: it was supposed to be Turning Japanese, but it ended up being Dragon's Breath and Other True Stories, which was a collection of stories mostly from the Rumpus that website, and then Turning Japanese. Although I think I finished. Drawing turning Japanese first.
1: But yes. Um when you were giving your talk at the XOXO festival, yeah. you had said that it had been declined for not being universal enough.
0: Yeah. And then I'm looking
1: at Kiss and Tell and I'm wondering, did you get that kind of a response for Kiss and Tell? Because No,
0: it's everyone gets
1: crushes. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that wasn't that wasn't part of it. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, yeah, so I don't know exactly what it meant, but I took it as hey, this is about your being Japanese and we're not interested. And, it, it, and I, I had a really hard time at first finding a publisher for it. And then by the time it came on the market, I feel like the market was so different that I probably could have published it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that's great. I'm glad that the the landscape has changed and people want to hear more voices. Yeah, It's exciting. I'm not jealous of the younger ones at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really.
1: <laughs> well, I have this let's see something that you are some other memories that just cropped up for me was this idea of the young love when you like somebody but you don't know how to express it so you have the best friend communicated and then there's all this communication between somebody else because there's this (laughs) embarrassment around when you like somebody it's like so so so-and-so wants to
0: ask you out the thought behind kiss and tell which took about I think, eight years for me to write and draw. Wow. Yeah, it takes a long time. The idea behind it at the time when I started it, which was a very long time ago, was I'd just gotten out of a crappy relationship and I just... It's like, why do I keep on getting into a crappy relationships? So I was kind of doing it for catharsis, which I don't recommend anyone do or as a pub- a book that you intend to publish. But that was where it started. Uh-huh. And it also didn't – I think I had a vague notion like that would be a cool book. But I started drawing out these stories uh, and I started doing one that didn't end up in the book because it happened much later than 22, which is what the cutoff is for that particular book. Yeah, I, I just wanted to examine each relationship, and, and the more I did them, the more I started to see kind of how redundant it was getting, or just what made a good story and what didn't. So mm-hmm. I, I started, I stopped trying to trying for the catharsis, and I started to try to tell a good story. And uh, luckily, I figured that out before you know yeah. <laughs> the book was over. So about halfway through, maybe even earlier. I realized, oh, okay, this, th- there's a, there kind of is a story arc here. There's things to knit it together. And my editor was very helpful at HarperCollins, too. So it was that's, that was what was behind the book. And yeah, eight, eight years. That's a lot. To, at first, it was pretty sporadic. No, not really. But for towards, once I got the publisher and then I had to finish the book, then I was working around the clock. But I mean, when I could find time because I mm-hmm. had other jobs.
1: There was another, I think you were pretty young, and there's a there's a drawing of you with a friend, I believe you're talking on the phone, and the friend asks, do you want to get married? And your response is, no, because <laughs> I don't want to be someone's maid. Yeah. Uh, tell me more about that. That really struck a chord with me because has your idea evolved or what does that mean about as a
0: child what you were witnessing? Or- My mom is a housewife and... As a young girl, that's how I perceived it was since she did all the cleaning and cooking that I felt that she was like a servant, Mm -hmm. which now I don't see it quite that way. But when you're when you're young and all your friends, moms have jobs and, you know, it felt.
1: So your parents' relationship was unique in comparison with your friends yeah. and their parents.
0: Oh, okay. Most of my friends' were, parents were divorced. I, I was one of the very few people who did not have divorced parents growing mm-hmm. up, and I wanted them to divorce. <laughs> but the kiss and tell starts with their meeting. Yeah, yeah. And they're still together. Uh-huh. And I think they're much happier now than they were when I was growing up. They fought a lot. It was... You know it's rough mm-hmm. to be around fighting people all the time. I don't want to say anything that's going to piss off my dad. I think they have a really sweet oh, romantic no, that, that's relationship.
1: Okay. Well, that's what I mean. Is that the? That's why I was asking about it because what um, one's perception of of the relationship when you're younger versus when you're older, then you see a different dynamic. I just thought that was so interesting that that was your response at a young age that and I still see you that attach sometimes. that to
0: marriage. Yeah. Well, marriage often gets attached to children, which is not something I also didn't want. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like, you know, in the 70s and 80s, there weren't a lot of examples of people doing it differently. Like, yeah. So at least in media, etc.
1: You described your first sex uh, experience and it's, was that it? That both you and the and the boy were like, oh, that, that was it? Well, it's supposed to be such a big deal. I know. You know? It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but that was um yeah, the was that it? I think that's what it is, is that we're told that you're not supposed to so oh <laughs> was that it? But it wasn't until I think later where you describe I uh, you're you're with a boy, and then something's about to happen. You're like, stop, stop, and then and then oh, right. doesn't, and it's an orgasm, and you're like, oh, that was great.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think that, that was great. I was a little freaked out, actually. Yeah. I'm like, because I, you know, you, you lose control a little bit, and I don't like that, <laughs> or I didn't yeah. like that at however old I was, fifteen. One of our
1: guests on was talking about sex ed and about this um, poverty of information for young girls about what's going on with their bodies. So a good episode. I guess, boy, oh, thank you. I have to tell end under that. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's something that boys, I guess, even with the discussion of, like, don't masturbate or whatever, is because they already know what happens and what's going on. But girls have no idea. So an orgasm is kind of a surprise.
0: <laughs> it's kind of surprise. Like a oh. It's a lovely surprise. I feel like <laughs> once I figured out the orgasm, sex got a lot better. Surprise. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And then was Alyssa your first girl crush? No. In or fact, she was your friend? She was my
0: friend. Okay. Uh, in fact, I didn't put my first girl kiss in there because it's very, very complicated and it would have taken a – I'm writing a whole nother book about her. Okay. So I, I – How old were you? I left out a lot. 18 maybe, I want to say.
1: 19. Wait, there was girl kissing though in Kiss and Tell, wasn't there? There sure was. Okay. Yes. So when you say I didn't talk about my first girl kiss – The first girl make- kiss I ever had was not included
0: in Kiss and Tell. Ah, okay. People think that it's a tell-all. I'm like, no, there's so much more. Oh my goodness! It was so much more slutty than that book. <laughs> <laughs> I say that with pride. <laughs> a good time. <laughs> so,
1: um, your first girl kiss then is getting its whole. It's why do you think that this deserves that? That deserves its whole project unto itself.
0: It was very complicated. Uh, she was another very close friend, and all this other stuff happened. And I'm I'm writing a whole book about it. Okay, uh, but. In a nutshell, we were very, very, very close friends for many, many, many years, and then one day we weren't, and I couldn't figure out why. A decade later, I found out why she'd been betraying me, da-da-da, but I'd been blaming myself for the loss of our friendship. Like, a lot of Mm -hmm. things happened, and um, God, yeah, it's it's very complicated, uh, but, you know, I'm still kind of sorting it out. And I feel like if I'd included anything about her, then I would have had to tell— a story that i didn't know the ending to yet okay and i'm still kind of figuring it out but i'm closer so
1: what has been the response to kiss and tell
0: mostly it's aimed at my husband he gets a lot of why did you let her make this book <gasps> right right <laughs> let her make this exactly book. and see this here we go back to the whole like conservative i don't want to be a maid kind of Thing that, that all fits in where suddenly mm-hmm. I'm someone's property, which he mm-hmm. doesn't obviously see it that way or else I wouldn't be married to him. He gets it a lot. Wow. In Q&As, if he's there, people always come up to him, what do you think about I mean, People, Kiss and Tell came out so long ago that people didn't, don't even talk about it anymore. But that was a pretty common, probably the most common question was aimed at Gary. And what's funny is the whole reason he was interested in me is because I showed him pages of Kiss and Tell as I was making it. Aww. He wasn't interested before, and then he's uh-huh. like, "Oh, this is really cool. This is really honest, or whatever." And and so that's what interested him in, in me romantically. So it was actually a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So what Kiss and Tell does, I'd, it's kind of this honest look at at well at your story, but I think that what a lot of people would probably resonate with is just this awkwardness and all the crushes, and then there's heartbreak. Somebody, you know, letting you down or whatnot.
0: Uh, one surprise I got out of the book was seeing who was interested in it who became fans because I assumed it would be women younger than me and I did get a lot of that but I feel like the other half of my audience were guys the age of the people I would have been dating at the time so a bit older than me maybe 10 years older than me Mm -hmm. got really into the book and I didn't really get it until one day at a library talk, I think in Olympia, I mentioned that, hey, this is, haha, this is interesting, all these older dudes are into the book. And after the talk, some older dudes came up to me and told me exactly why they were into it. It was because back in the day when, you know, they would have gone out with someone like me, they had no idea what was going on in a woman's mind or a girl's mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so I was kind of demystifying the whole male brain, which i I thought was pretty awesome. That's the whole point of reading, right? Is to get into someone else's brain and figure out how they tick. At the end
1: of the book, you say that you noticed that you were learning about yourself through all these relationships. Yeah. Do Do you remember this? Is there something when you look back and you're saying, okay, wait, there's a pattern here or whatnot, but...
0: Well, I feel like a lot of women in their 20s especially are really eager to get to know themselves. And I was one of those people where Mm -hmm. i just i really want to get to know myself which now i you know now i'm in my 40s i'm like that's that's funny (laughs) yeah why was i in such a rush (laughs) like i know myself pretty well now and and that's cool but but you know there's no more the thrill is gone
1: (laughs) 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 well we do learn a lot about ourselves through i think through the relationships through the way that we handle them we figure out what we want
0: for me i was it, it concerned me because i i was a serial well but I was always in a relationship or always, always hooking up with guys. And I and I feel like a lot of my likes and dislikes were kind of, I don't want to make myself sound like a parasite, but I, other people's interests became my own. And so at the end of this, I'd never really been alone. And so I wasn't sure, well, what part of this is me and what part of this is other people? And yeah. do I even exist? Da, 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 da. But then, you know, much later in my 30s, I got a lot of alone time and and realize, oh, hey, I'm awesome. (laughs) And your likes and dislikes are not your personality. But when you're young, you don't know that. Yeah.
1: But I'm thinking about, you know, people that that I've dated, if they have a particular interest and then all of a sudden they introduce me to it and then I kind of keep that, not the relationship, but (laughs) but the interest. And so, but it's part of evolving me. I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's what I mean by part of learning about yourself or... There's some great experiences or some you know wonderful recollections. I think for me, one of the hardest lessons, but also one of the most important ones, was um, if I was drawn to somebody because they fit, what i was supposed to like as opposed to what i genuinely liked and um there is a real (laughs) yeah but then there's no magic there's no chemistry or it feels kind of forced but i didn't i didn't realize i was forcing it while i was in the situation it wasn't until i was out and then when you just are completely you know attracted to somebody and you don't know what the rhyme or reason is you just know that it's there and that's a lot more
0: I, i i think that's all it comes down to personally Convince me otherwise. I think that attraction
1: is something that happens. I mean, that's something that um, I think also was brought up in Kiss and Tell was something, maybe it was one of the parties where you you kissed a girl or something and you were thinking, does this make me a lesbian? But what was going on, it seems like you were just attracted or you were in the moment.
0: Probably on drugs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe that may, been, that may have been, but that that was part of the moment. But then um, in a young mind that there was this need to say, like, wait a minute, what does this mean about what I am instead of just allowing yeah. the, the attraction to
0: just be true, that that's just what… That's just what happens. We don't oh, have that was to when I was, sorry, just remembering what scene that was. That was before I kissed a girl, but I was thinking about kissing a girl.
1: Oh, okay. And then
0: I saw some porn of girl on girl kissing. It was anime porn. And I thought, no, I'm not a lesbian. Definitely not a lesbian. But it fa- turns out I actually don't like anime. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Silly young me. <laughs> the, the number one porn that people look up is lesbian porn, both men and women.
0: Really? Yeah. I've met a lot of lesbians who look up gay male porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, seriously. It's a thing. I feel like a lot of young younger people these days are super fluid and grayscale in how they think, which is amazing. The whole gender fluidity thing, man, yeah, I wish I'd come along when I was younger. Mm-hmm. It's very cool.
1: Well, what else when you think about when you're finishing your memoir and you're thinking, I've learned a lot about myself? What tell me something more, maybe about you as the as the author or as the artist? Um, how are you growing from coming up with Kiss and Tower? eight years of labor?
0: <laughs> well, I got faster at drawing. <laughs> I learned some shortcuts. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I just got better at drawing. The thing is, with memoir, is you, there is no ending yeah. ever. So it's all about, well, where shall I end this? And there's no moral to the story. Or if there is, it's going to seem forced because there is no moral to the story. Maybe you learn from things, but it's all shades of gray. Mostly what I got out of that book is the understanding that all you need, like that books don't make you rich, but they will get you other gigs. That's oh, my yeah. big learning. But as far, as far as making the book, I'd been making comics for a long time, but before the book came out, so mm-hmm. I don't know what I got out of it. Other, other than just the knowledge that it's more important to write a good story than it is to write every detail about everything. When you're, when you're doing memoir, especially when you're – quite young doing memoir, you, you just want to have all the facts and you want them to be perfect and yeah. exactly how they are, but that's not readable. <laughs> <laughs> and no one cares about the minutia. That was also very hard in writing the memoir because I'm you know, sitting there in my head. Before I had the editor, every th- time I wrote anything, it was like, is this just interesting because it happened to me or is it actually interesting to other people in a grander scale? And I was always towing the line between is this too universal? I want to add some specifics because it's the whole
1: about your particular experience. I don't think that there's that many women um, artists or writers who will talk about their sexuality or different loves and different lovers because that's something that's been a man that's been male dominated. Women will underreport. How many sexual partners I have, they'll say, you know, just very few. And then men will say way more, which doesn't make any sense because if the men were having like three times as many partners, is the women, or is that the, That's what they're reporting. I mean, who the hell are they <laughs> having sex with? So somebody's lying, right? Somebody's lying. Somebody's lying. But one of the reasons is because when men, or young boys, when they're having their sexual experiences, they do tell about that. So I think something that's unique about your work is that this is something that you know when it comes to sexuality that not many women tell these stories, and maybe it'll you know open up to other girls, uh, young girls, or young women to say, oh yeah. This, you know,
0: I hope so. This was
1: weird with my babysitter. Oh, <laughs>
0: like, yeah, that's an awkward one.
1: Or to be judgmental about, like, to have something else going on in your mind, like a wait, what was it? Dingleberry. <laughs> Dingleberries. Dingleberries. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> to be like, okay, this is going on because I don't know that women still women still have a hard time being open about talking about sex and sexual experiences i've always been
0: a little too open it's gotten me in trouble definitely in what relationships. kind do you tell oh oh just when my number is much higher than someone else's it's, that was something that repeatedly got me into fights with people do you think the number should ever come up i don't know if it doesn't matter sure
1: uh before we talk about ask by girls since we're talking about um kiss and tell so your talk okay I- X, I just want to get it right, XOXO Festival. I
0: think so, yeah. Okay. I mean, emphatic yes.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. And you talked about creating um, the database for cartoonists of color mm-hmm. and how that came about. But what I would really like to know is that at a couple points in talking about creating the database, you started to tear up. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what was going on with those tears. Oh, my God. What was bringing them about?
0: So just talking about it. So this might make me cry and <laughs> just FYI and it's it's okay uh but just talking about the databases sometimes makes me makes me cry and so when they approached me about hey we want you to be a speaker which is something I do pretty frequently speak at colleges etc but When they told me what they wanted me to speak about was databases, I was like, I don't know. This Mm -hmm. is It's a really boring subject matter. I'm basically just a database administrator. It's it's super boring. I am very conflicted about it. Conflicted because it – not to get spiritual because it's not, but it just – it heals my soul to help other people. But also I hate doing the work. It takes so much out of me, but it also gives me a lot. But they're not – it's not like it's drawing from the same well. So if I'm working on the databases, it just sucks so much of my time out, and I get stressed out about my other projects because I'm blah, blah, blah. Watch the video. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so just talking about it and just talking, especially talking about the good things that have come out about it yeah, will make me cry because it makes me very happy. And so he approached me, that one of the community, the uh, festival organizers approached me, and I'm like, I don't, you know, I said no. And then he's like, and I said, because it's really boring and blah blah blah, and I basically sent him an email back that was my my talk in a nutshell, just saying this is why it's a shitty talk and I don't want to do it. And he's like, "No, this is exactly what should be your talk." I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" And, and he offered to put me up in a really fancy hotel and give me lots of money. So I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> and so, and even just the, his response was so kind. I got his response, and even before I decided to do it. I just start crying. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I was in public too, and I hate crying in public. It's my least favorite thing. So, what about <sighs> databases? So brings tears to your eyes. It's the love hate. I'm so frustrated by the fact that this needs to exist. Ah, uh, I see. And it it just it breaks my heart that we're here and that this need that I that I still hear. There's no cartoonists of color. There's no queer cartoonists. Or you know. Queer writers, blah blah blah. It's just that that we have to keep having this conversation that I've been having for so long. Okay. So there's frustration, and then there's also the heartwarmingness. As a teacher, you probably know this feeling where if a student does really well, you know, you feel kind of partially responsible or just proud. Yeah, and that's how I feel about. When people come to me and say their databases help them, oh, God, I'm getting all choked up. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's cartoonists what cartoonists
1: of color, I think in your talk you said it started out where you found 15 people, and now it has spread to
0: it's, how many people oh, so are many, on I it? I think more than 2,000 between oh, the two databases. It's a lot. I mean, it, it's global, but it, it's mostly the U.S., but there's definitely people elsewhere. It's As it gets bigger— and picks up. It's getting more and more people, but you know, it's mm-hmm. creating more and more work for me because I have to enter all these people.
1: <laughs> it's a really great story. I, to me, it was
0: really. I, I mean, I it's can so see boring.
1: <laughs> no, well, because you're thinking of the database, but for me, it's story. You saw that you know there was this vacuum or there was this need, and nobody was taking care of it. And you just said, "Well, I'm going to do it." You know what? I'm I'm going to do it, and you created this, and I'm sure that it has really made an impact in a lot of people's lives. That's really fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe a dozen people in mind. I'm like, okay, and I was just, it was just for my own purposes. And then I, th- I, thought I need more people, so I went to social media. And of course, when you're looking for people like that, if you're doing a, you know, community service, people want to help you. And so Twitter and Facebook just really, it was pretty overwhelming.
1: So, how did your podcast Ask By Girls come about?
0: Well. I threw out my back, and then my friend threw out her back, and we were talking about it at my dinner table, trying not to move too much while we did so. Uh-huh. And I, at this point, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and thinking, God, our our, our conversations are so funny. They're so much better than this other podcast. I think I listened to some podcasts that just—I mean, it was fine, but it wasn't a great podcast. And they were their banter was really stilted. And I'm like, God, me and Miriam are a lot more fun than these people. <laughs> like, we should have a podcast. Miriam's funnier than I am and smarter. I'm, but I'm sort of the Ed McMahon to her Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. So, with Ask by Girls,
1: you ask for questions, mm-hmm. and let's just focus on some of the romantic ones. Let's see what kind of a question were there. Things that were expected and then something that just stumped you when it came to relationship and love and what are people's concerns?
0: I've been through a lot. <laughs> I'm not really easily stumped anymore. Let's I kind of a
1: know it all too. Can we just start with the, the first one? The first the first right um and question was called mustache question. Oh my
0: gosh, that was a hard one. That that did stump me. Because there's no polite way to tell someone you just started dating that they have a mustache. Yeah, and they just started dating, and this woman was like, "How do I politely tell her to shave it?"
1: I don't think you can. No, I think I think, I no think that way, that's yeah. I
0: think that's over time. And I guess it was bristly.
1: <laughs> I think that's something that maybe be in time, when you get to know each other better, but yeah, yeah, because that's not quite the same as like you've got
0: something in your teeth. Nah. Like that's okay
1: on even date one. But also, but, it
0: kind of you know. signals to me that she wasn't that into her <laughs> because again, pheromones. If, mm-hmm. it, you know, someone could be great on paper, but I'm just not feeling it. Someone yeah. could have whatever gnarly thing that I'm just like all over their face. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter because I just want to, you know, pounce them. Well,
1: on your interview with Michelle T, there was this comment that I think that Michelle may have made
0: about biphobia. It was a write-in question. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is biphobia? How do I say this in a nutshell? So, I mean, there's, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer this question. Uh, but the way I see it, I mean, it's multifaceted. Uh, there's the fact that people say that bisexuals don't exist. Uh, if a guy says he's bisexual, people say, no, you're just gay. Okay. There's women who are bisexual, and if they're with a person of the opposite sex, they think, oh, no, you weren't actually bisexual. Because, look, you're with a guy. Okay. That's part of it. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I'd never heard of biphobia before. Most... Almost all the bisexual men I know are in the closet because they have, they just are so looked down upon by all of society, by men and women. Wow. Yeah. I think bisexual men have it the hardest and it's. Yeah, but this, you know, when you tell someone you're bisexual and and they make a joke of hey, hey, "hot," you know, that's part of it. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gross.
1: Well, I think that there's that assumption. I don't know. I think that people leave out attraction, you know, because there's this assumption that attracted to everything. Bisexuality means that you're attracted to everything, and that's that's not true. <laughs> really you still not have to true. Have
0: personality and yeah. you know. Oh, gosh. oh my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that I've slept with a lot of people, I am very picky. I think getting older,
1: it's you just I think you just have a better sense of what's worth your your time yeah. means more to you, yeah,
0: i would I mean, when I was young, I wanted to do. It try everything. The time is more valuable. So anybody who's
1: going to take up some of that time or be part of your time, then that's a that's a deliberate choice. That's yeah. not just boredom or something like that. I think that just changes when you get older and you have a better sense of your life. So let me ask you this. If you were if there was an ask by girls podcast when you were younger, what would one of your questions be?
0: One of the episodes that we did, I did ask a question from my younger self because we weren't getting we don't get enough questions. So I thought You know, I'm just gonna have my younger self write in, which was when I first started realizing that I liked I was attracted to women, I had no idea what to do with that or how to tell if someone I was was attracted to was interested in women too, Mm -hmm. or who was even a lesbian. Like I just didn't know where the lesbians were. And so that was my question to my young from my younger self is how do I figure out if my coworker who I have a crush on is a lesbian. Mm-hmm. What's and, the answer? Well, Miriam came up with some good ones. Well, so the thing is, you know, she suggested. Um, I mean, so, my advice to younger me, and I think Miriam agreed, was to just bring up that I like girls or something. Oh, and then okay. that would give her the opportunity to come out of the closet as well. Okay. In fact, there was a co worker who I was interested in when I was 18 or 19 and I had, I just, I thought, but she was so straight and, and, you know, I was, I was doing everything I could to flirt with her without flirting with her. And it was so awkward, but you know, later on, full on lesbian. And she later (laughs) on told me that I was her first girl crush, which killed me because I was in a committed relationship monogamous (laughs) at that point. Yeah, no, that was good. And we, and we ended up um, getting to make out later too. So that was, was awesome.
1: (laughs) that sounds lovely. So what is something that you've learned from
0: podcasting? Um I don't hate my voice anymore. <laughs> but I because I'm the I'm the person who goes through and edits everything, I just, you know, it's been 23, 24 episodes
1: Let's see. So just so that everybody knows. So for um, if somebody wanted to ask a question about writing, about romance, about love, relationships, how do they? Cat
0: rescue, dog risk. What do they write to? They could ask by girls at Gmail and it's spelled kind of funny and I completely regret the spelling. It's A-S-K-B-I-G-R-L-Z. Why? Why did I do that? (laughs) <laughs> Ask by girls at gmail. How else can people get in touch with you? What's your Instagram, your Twitter? I'm at Mari Naomi mm-hmm. on Twitter. MariNaomi.com is my, my website. And then that connects to all the Instagram. Instagram, I think, okay. is Mari Naomi Art. M-A-R-I, and then Naomi like Naomi Campbell. Yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh yeah. Thank you for this having
1: us. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Feel free to get in touch. Again, you can tweet me at GDalski if you have any questions. And if you would like to support the show and become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash good is in the details. Bye.